1: For the reminder of who you are, how great and awesome you are, and that everything we need can be found in you, dear God, because you love us and you are a good father. So help us, Lord, to lean on you, to trust in you, not with what we will, but with what you will. Speak to our hearts today. Have your way in lives, dear God, and we pray above all else for life change today, dear God. That is our ultimate goal, for you to be lifted up and lives to be changed. We ask it, and we are expecting it. In the sweet and powerful name of Jesus, we pray and believe. Amen.
0: Amen. Hey, as you're seated, I want you to turn to somebody and say, Hey, I'm glad you're here today. You're in the right place. You are in the right place, and I'm glad that you're here. I'm so excited about this, this series and this campaign we've been doing. Um, uh, honestly we've never had the response to, to something like this ever that we've had with this one. Um, I think Kathy helped me, I think we've ordered books four different times. Um, and, and you guys are bringing your books and you're, you guys are getting into the deal at, on, on Sunday morning growth groups, Wednesday nights. And if you, if you haven't been coming to those deals, uh, let, me just, let me just offer another shameless plug um, you'll get so much more out of the Sunday morning experience if you'll do two things. If you'll go through those daily devotions, well, Dwayne, I got behind. Well, it's, what day are we on? I forget what day. 21. You're caught up. You with me? Just, just start today. Um, and, and then come on either Wednesday night at 7 or Sunday morning at 10. And uh, it's, the, it's the exact same session it's just, uh, you know, I teach one. Don or Matthew Robertson teaches the other. And uh, I, I, you'll get so much more out of the Sunday morning experience if you'll do that. Okay. Enough shameless plugs. Let's talk about praying with focus. Look at somebody say focus. Focus. Hey, before we can talk about focused prayer, we have to have a greater understanding of who God is. Um, in fact, if you've been coming through this whole deal We've talked a lot more about God than we've talked about prayer. And and that's intentional, by the way. Because once we understand who God is and what his plan and purpose for our life is and and what he wants to accomplish in us, prayer is just a natural byproduct of understanding who God is. So that's it's not that you understand the mechanics of prayer because there's, you know, there's. There's a thousand different models and it's not important that you know the mechanics of prayer as much as you understand the goodness of our great God. And that's what we've been talking about. So before we get started on understanding focus of prayer, I'm going to give you a couple things that God is. Look at somebody say God is. First of all, God is creator. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says for since the creation of the world. God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Look at somebody say clearly seen. I've done that three times today. Look at somebody. And they used to get on my nerves when I'd be in the congregation. And the preacher would go look at somebody and say. So I ain't going to say that anymore. But look at somebody and say clearly seen. Clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Here's what Paul's telling us. Any logical thinker, anybody with half a mind can look at the creation and know that it didn't just happen. Anyone that just... Now, now listen, you don't, you don't have to be, believe in my God, even though he's the only one. You can believe in whatever you want to, but let's not insult each other's intelligence and say, oh, it just happened. No, no, no. Well... What about, what about the Big Bang Theory? I don't care. Because you know what? Somebody lit the fuse. Me and some of the guys around here, every once in a while, we'll make our way up to a gun range. And, and we'll fire off stress. It's amazing that something so violent and loud can be stress relieving. But It is. But here's what's going to, listen, that big bang doesn't happen until somebody pulls a trigger. So there was a creator. This design has a designer. And if this design has a designer, then you have one. You have a creator, and he knits you together, and that is good news. Man, I'm going to tell you what did it for me, and this is going to embarrass my sons, was, was watching the birthing process. Not just the day of, but from the, from the stick. Watching the development and watching all the stuff and reading about what was going on. I, if I didn't believe in God before that, how, would you, how could you deny the existence of a creator when you watch that? The book of Job says, can you solve the mysteries of God? The answer is no. Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Not on this side of heaven. Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? It is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. Can I tell you, we serve a magnificent, big, powerful, awesome creator. And when you pray, that's who you talk to. So he's creator. He's savior. His Savior. John chapter 1 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this creator is also our Savior. He's offered us a path to redemption and forgiveness and freedom. And a couple of y'all know what freedom feels like. How does freedom feel, by the way? Hey, guess what? That didn't just happen. Because you turned over a new leaf. Freedom happens because we have a savior. His name is Jesus. And I hope you know him. I'm not so much interested that your name's on the roll of a church. I hope you know Jesus. I hope you've let him save you. He's our creator. He's our savior. He's our guide. In that order, by the way. John chapter 16 says, But when the spirit of truth comes, He'll guide you into all the truth. You know, people ask me about direction for their life. Sometimes they ask me about career choices. Sometimes they ask me about marriage problems. Sometimes they ask me about all sorts of different things. And, and can I tell you, I got pretty, one pretty standard answer. Do you know Jesus? Because if, if the Son of God and the Spirit of truth isn't dwelling within you, That's step one to wisdom. That's step one to understanding what we're supposed to do with this life. Do you know the Lord? So he's our creator. He's our savior. He's our guide. And he is, please hear this, he is ever present. And I I, I love what Donna was saying earlier. How many know that our, our God isn't limited by space or time? And so when we talk about God being ever present, we usually think space, don't we? We think, well, he's with me at church. He's with me in my car. He's with me in my house. He's with me on my job. We think space. But how many know that God's not limited by space or time? So when you get head on into tomorrow, he's already there. He's already been there. He's already redeemed tomorrow. He's got a plan for you for tomorrow. He's already there. He is ever present the psalmist said I can never escape from your spirit I can never get away from your presence if I go up to the heaven you are there If I go down to the grave you are there King James says if I make my bed in hell you are there If I ride the wings of the morning if I dwell in the farthest ocean even there Your hand will guide me and your strength will support me Anybody ever try to run from God? I need to know. I wanted you to wave your hand at me. How many of you found that you can't run from him without running into him? So he's our creator. He's our savior. He's our guide. And he's ever present. And I wanted to to lay that foundation before we get into some very practical teaching about prayer. So we're going to have some teaching about prayer. And then we're going to model what we learned today when we take communion. And I told them in the prayer room, and I'm going to tell you now, before we ever get started with with the communion process in just a few moments. We do this once a month. We do it every, the first Sunday of every month, almost. We've missed one this past year. And here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to think, well, this is, it's the first of the month. It's what we do. I don't want you to miss the significance of of what we do when we share the Lord's Supper. And we're going to spend some more time on that in just a little bit. So we're going to talk about praying with focus. And I'm going to give you five directions to focus your prayer. And I believe that this could be a great model for your prayer time. And I hope that this 40 days of prayer has encouraged you to pray, not just when the poop hits the fan... I hope that you're not just praying when things are bad and, and things are in trouble. I hope you're starting every day with prayer. You say, Dwayne, I, I, I'm struggling. Listen, okay, if you, if you missed it, tomorrow morning, start, start again. Start fresh every day. Here's five directions. Let's talk about the first one. I want you to focus your prayer backward. Well, Dwayne, you tell us not to stress on our, on our past. There's something in the past that you need to focus your prayer life on. Happened a little over 2,000 years ago. You need to focus on the cross. Listen, I don't care what you're praying for. Start your prayer with an awareness of what gave you access to the God to whom you're praying. It was the cross of Christ. It was the sacrifice of God's only son. That ought to remind you just how deeply God loves you. Before you ask him to fix your meeting or ask him to fix your finances. Before you ask him to to take care of your family. Before you ask him any of that stuff in the morning when you pray. Stop long enough to say thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending your son for my sin. Remember how completely you're forgiven. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Listen, please hear this. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That's what gave you access. How many of you have something that you possess that's worth more to you than it probably is to anybody else? I'll give you an example. Trent was playing my guitar this morning. That guitar is worth a lot more to me because of how God put it in my hands. That guitar is worth a lot more to me than it is to anybody that would purchase it. The value of something is not what eBay says it's worth. The value of something is what someone is willing to pay for it. So here's what I need you to do. I don't need you to gather your worth by what somebody has told you you're worth or aren't worth. The God of the universe said you're worth his son. And he paid a price for you. So when you pray... Man, stop long enough to look backward at the cross. So focus your prayer backward. Focus your prayer upward. You know, we've said a couple of times that Jesus gave us this model prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's probably been prayed more than any other prayer there is. But it's not really a, it's not something we're, Necessarily going to recite as our prayer. He was giving us a model for how we are to pray. And one of the most powerful things he said was when he began his prayer, he said, Our Father. Our Father. So when we pray, we look backward to the cross. We look upward to our Father. Our great, good, wonderful, loving God Father. So I'm going to challenge you. Now listen, I, I know there's a lots, there's lots of different names we could say to God as we pray. We, God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you. Maybe throughout the rest of this 40 days of prayer, when we pray, let's just say it like this. Our Father, just... Call him your father. I'm wondering if that doesn't change the way we approach our God. I'm wondering by calling him and recognizing that he is our father, not just our our, our God. And he is not just creator, but he is not just savior and Lord, not just master, but he's our father and Don't you think that that's why Jesus said it that way? To say our father. Maybe that's what God wants. How he wants us to address him. When the boys are growing up. I provided their home. I'm so glad they didn't walk in the door and say. Hey landlord. (laughs) Hey dad. God does all sorts of things for us. But let's remember that maybe the most critical part of our relationship with God is that he's
1: our Father.
0: Last week we said, who do you think you're talking to? And we determined that we serve a good, good, This passage of scripture in Romans chapter 8, I think, puts it in perspective. I want you to read it along. It'll be on the screen behind me. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. We're not, didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fear. One translation says, you're no longer cowering slaves. It was important to me as we go through this process today. I wanted you to remember that. Someone teach a little chorus, it's two lines. And I pray that as we we do this, that 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 thing in your head, that you ever get a song in your mind and it just you can't get it out all day, man. I hope this is just seared in your mind for the rest of these 40 days. Two lines.
1: Just says this. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am God.
0: Hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to lift your voice. I don't sing good. I don't care. Man, I want this to just resonate in your heart. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to cower to this world and the devil that, that lives here. You're a child of God.
1: let's lift our voice. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Thank you, Lord. I am a child of God. Declare it from your heart. I'm no longer a slave. I'll sing it again. No longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear.
0: I am a child of God. Here's here's what I believe the Holy Spirit would have you here today. Regardless of what you're walking through, your Father is well aware.
1: You don't have to fear.
0: You don't have to be anxious. He said, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, present your request to God. You don't have to be a slave, cowering in fear. You are a child of God. Hey, let's take that passage. There's a couple of things that I want you to just grasp. First thing is, God wants my prayers to be personal. He said, he said You're, it's Abba, Father. And you've heard me say, and you've heard others say, that, that that's a, a personal, intimate tone, a personal, intimate word. It's almost like our term daddy. It's childlike, it's intimate. You're not worried about making a good impression. So you can drop all of the religious words and just talk to your father. Be personal. Be passionate. He said, We cry out, Abba Father. Hey, listen, if there were a baby in that nursery and it was hungry or wet, we'd hear about it. All the way in this room, we would hear about it. And until somebody fed it or somebody Yes, it's going to cry out. I wonder if God's not waiting on us to just cry out to our Father. Maybe so. So it's, it's personal, it's passionate, and it's a partnership. The, the scripture we just read says the Spirit testifies together with our spirit. You know that when you pray, the Holy Spirit prays with you? Romans chapter 8 says, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Dwayne, I don't know what to pray. Maybe we should just drop the pretension. I'm going to tell you something that changed my life. I'm not committed to just praying. And sometimes... I'd, I'd be in my office, or I'd be in my truck, and I'm calling out to God, and, and sometimes, oftentimes, God, I don't, I don't even know what to say, but I'm here, and I'd feel guilty. One day, I'm riding to this church, and the and it'd been one of those mornings where the frustrations of the day were already there before I ever left the house. You've had days like that, haven't you? Turning right on Youth Jersey Road To come to this building And I said God I'm I don't even know what to say this morning But I'm here And I heard him say I'm glad you're here Even in the midst of your stuff Even in the midst of your difficulty I'm glad that you're here Because He's my
1: Father (laughs) I'm a child of God. That's good news. <laughs> I am a child of God. <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. You have called us
0: your children. We have received a spirit of adoption and we cry out to our Father today. You are good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Trent. You're going to call me later and you'll say, I can't get that song out of my head. You're welcome. So we're going to focus our prayer backward, we're going to focus our prayer upward. And number three, we're going to focus our prayer inward. How many know that the Son of God lives inside of you? That if you've crossed the line of faith, the Son of God lives inside of you. Now listen, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you've got the power within you to meet your own needs. That's a whole other situation. But I want you to look inside I want you to focus your prayer inward in this when I understand that Christ lives in me that opens up a level of intimacy that that changes the way I pray and when we look inward we look inward for one reason scripture says in 2nd Corinthians 13 verse 5 examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? How you fail the test? You fail the test by not crossing the line of faith. Here we go. Um, would anybody here say, I need to be a better man, I need to be a better woman? No. Pretty much all of us, right? I I. I could follow Christ more closely, I could live a more godly life, I could live a better life, I could, there's some stuff that I'm doing I probably shouldn't need to do, there's some stuff that I'm not doing that I probably should do, I need to be better, one more time, raise your hands, how many know I, I you, did you see my hand up there too? I can't get better until I deal with what needs to change in my life, and that's what this part of our prayer is, we we, we look backward and remember the cross and the, and the price that was paid. We look upward at the face of our Father and we look inward to see, God, what is it in me that needs to change? What work are you trying to do in my life? Because contrary to what you may think, you're not perfect. you got... You, you got a, a way to go to be there, and you're never going to be there until you see His face. And so don't we want to live our life where God is constantly molding us and shaping us and forming us and framing us into the men and women, God, that He's called us to be? We can only do that if we do what Scripture says and examine ourselves and ask the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory. God, what is it in me that displeases you, that... that Is trying to rob your glory. What is it in me that doesn't look like you? What is it in me that needs to change? What would happen if we prayed that prayer every day? Proverbs 28 says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, we call that repentance, right? If they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. One translation says, you get another chance. How many had 743,212 chances? Aren't you glad? I told you last week, I'm glad that God's not got a second chances. Because I ran out of second chance a long time ago. But the Bible says when we confess our sins, that we'll find mercy. Let you in a little secret. That thing that popped into your head that you need to change, God already knows about it. Everyone wants an intimate relationship with their spouse, with their friends, or with God. And how many of you know that intimacy is bred? When honesty appears. So you, you may say, well, if God already knows about my junk and my stuff and my secret stuff. How many of you got a junk drawer at your house? Right? You got a drawer that you're like, I don't know where this goes. It goes into junk. Anybody got a junk closet? <laughs> junk bedroom? <laughs> Come on, somebody. You understand what I'm saying. We, that place we put stuff that we don't have a place for. I'm I'm afraid that maybe that we've got one of those junk drawers in our heart, and we try to put on this pretension with God that we are something that we're not, and try to keep that door closed. Listen to me, open it up. Yeah. That that junk in that closet that you that you think because you've closed it and you don't talk to God about it that He doesn't know it's there. Open it up and call it what it is. Well, Dwayne, it's ugly. I'm going to tell you another little secret. He can handle it. He can handle your ugly. He can handle your junk. He can handle your mess. He can handle your sin. He can handle your addiction. He can handle your nonsense. He can handle your lust. He can handle your pride. He can handle your anger. Just open it up. Even into the secret stuff. Rick Warren says this, and I I think this is brilliant. He said, you should spell intimacy with three words. Into me, see. God, into me, see. So we look backward at the cross. And we're thankful for the great sacrifice that God paid. And we look into the face of our loving Father. And we allow the Spirit of God to search us on the inside. And we open up all the secret stuff. All the stuff that that we don't want anybody else to know is there. And cast those cares on God. And then, after we've looked backward and forward excuse me, backward and upward and inward, we look around. Um, I don't talk a lot about politics. But I bet we can agree on one thing about politics in this room right now. Is there anybody else that's just sick of the commercials? Right? It's so easy. We, we live in a culture that has made it so easy. In fact, has bred this thought. If, if you don't like it, complain about it. If, if you don't agree with it, fuss. Start an argument. Debate about it. Blog about it. Facebook post about it. Find something to post on Instagram about it. Do something. And I'm going to tell you that I'm not quite sure that's the way it's supposed to be. Now listen, I get it. We want to be politically active and, and stand up for what we believe is right and I'm all about that. But but in our prayer time, maybe we could say, God, there's, there's stuff around us that's broken. There's stuff around us that that is divisive and evil and mean. So instead of us complaining about All the stuff that we don't like, maybe we could say, God, use me to help. Spirit of the Lord, use me to bring unity where there's division. Help me make peace where there's adversity. God, where is it in my world that you want to use me? That's a dangerous, dangerous prayer. God, what is it you want me to do in my world today to help? Romans chapter 6 says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead But now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. God, use me to do the right thing. Use me to help this world. Help my world. Help my family. Help my church. Help my community. What can you use me to do? Anybody can complain. It takes no spiritual gift at all to whine. It does take spiritual maturity to say, God, our world's broken. Help me fix it. Help me do my part. You don't understand what's going on down at that church. You don't know what the preacher's done. He's put this big screen TV on the back wall. Now you laugh. But I've been in some churches where that would start a war. It's because you change something. Takes no spiritual gift to, to whine and complain. You know what it does? It takes a spiritual maturity to say, God, use me to help. And you know what the best launch pad is? You're sitting in the middle of it. Your church. Man, what would happen? Listen. What would happen if all of us just said, God, what can I do for you today? What can I do for your church today? We're going to help you with that, by the way, after the first of the year. You're going to hear us talking about a brand new initiative at LifePoint that I'm so very, very excited about. And when you start hearing about it, you need to sign up. It's called Growth Track. And what we're talking about today, how can we find out where God is using us as a people in his kingdom, we're going to help you find that. So when you see it, sign up, okay? If you'll sign up when you see it, raise your hand at me. Both of you, awesome, that's great. <laughs> so we're going to focus our prayer backward. We're going to focus our prayer upward. We're going to focus our prayer inward. We're going to look around us and maybe, and, and listen, I won't, maybe do these in order. When you get up in the morning, start your prayer. Thanking Christ for his sacrifice and God for his sacrifice at the cross. Look upward into the face of your Father. We call that worship, by the way. How many know you don't have to have guitars playing to worship God? That right in your room, in your car, at your dining room table, with your Bible open, you can worship God. So we look backward at the cross. We look upward to the face of our Father. Inward, God search me. Don't ever pray without repentance. Can I just tell you? um, That's a big deal. Now, some of you are going to have to get past the fact that you got something to repent of. If you think that, then that's pride. Probably want to repent over that. Every time I pray, God, anything in me that doesn't look like you, wash it from me. So we look backward at the cross, upward in the face of our Father. Inward, search me, O oh God. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Search me, O oh God. We look around. God, where can I, can I connect to what you're doing? And we look forward. Look at Just say forward. This is where you're going to talk to God about the day in front of you. Now, unless your day starts at midnight, you can't do that at 11 o'clock at night. I believe that you ought to start your day with prayer. Father, what should I prioritize on my list today? I I got stuff at work that I'm facing that, that I don't know what to do with. God, who are you going to put in my path to share the gospel with today? And I believe, and you heard me say over and over again, God's got a plan for your life. And I believe that with everything in me. In the midst of that, don't lose the fact that God's got a plan for you today. So, tomorrow morning, I want you to get up, I want you to start your day with prayer. All five of those focuses. And here's our promise. Philippians 1 verse 6. And I'm certain that God. Who began the good work within you. Will continue his work. Until it is finally finished. On the day. When Christ Jesus returns. So here we are. Five focuses. Backward at the cross. Upward in the face of our father. Inward to Christ in us. The hope of glory examine me around us. God, where can you use me today? And forward, God, I cover this day with your plan and your purpose. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to use all five of those focuses as we share the Lord's Supper together today. And every so often, um, I, I take more than two minutes to, to share what communion is all about. And that's going to be today. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you to give me just a couple minutes. Because this is a big, big deal. And a lot of these scriptures that I'm going to share with you today, I'm not going to ask you to flip. They're not going to be up on the screen. They're 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I challenge you to go home and read them through yourself. Because first of all, communion reminds us to check our hearts. 1 Corinthians 11:27 says, If anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat this bread and drink the cup without recognizing the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. I didn't write that. I'm just reading it to you. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. So, And it goes on to say, but if we examine ourselves and judge ourselves, we'll not be judged by God. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Right now, before we pull the the, the ushers to to serve you, is we're going to take a minute. Don's going to come play. We're just going to take a minute. And that stuff, that that secret stuff that we talked about earlier, and everybody nodded at, yeah, we all got it. Hey, let's just lay that before the Lord. It's called repentance. We confess our sin and turn from it. Let's do that together now before we even start the communion process. We're taking time to examine ourselves. God, what is it in me that's displeasing you? What attitude, what action is is, is not of you? And, And so we're going to take just a minute, and I'm going to challenge you to examine yourself. And ask the Lord, what is it in you that he wants to change? Father, I love you. Thank you for this beautiful celebration that we're going to have in just a moment the Lord's Supper of communion. And God, today, we, I, ask you to search my heart. God, if there's things in me that don't belong, would you wash them in your blood? Forgive me of my sin. Those attitudes and actions that aren't of you, God, I pray that you would watch them. Just like we read last week, would you cast them as far as the east is from the west? Mm. God, for those of us in this room that have crossed the line of faith, we've accepted Christ into our heart. God, forgive us of our sin. Hey, if you're in this room and you've never done that, just in this moment now be a great time for you to say Christ I believe that you're the son of God come into my heart change my life forgive me my sin live in me and this communion that we'll take will be a glorious glorious celebration for you amen The psalmist said it this way, Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way. of Life everlasting. Here's what you need to know. Communion, the Lord's Supper teaches us, and all of these are in 1 Corinthians 11, so I challenge you, we don't have time for me to read them all this morning, but I challenge you to go home and read them for yourself. Number one, that no one loves you more than your Father in Heaven. See, what what communion is, it's not a religious ritual. It's when you and I as brothers and sisters, as family, break bread together and we remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. It's a way to remember and look back at what Christ has done. And it's a way for us to look up and say, Father, thank you for your great sacrifice. Reminds us nobody loves us more than our father. It it reminds us that we belong to each other, that we're a family. That word communion is where we get our word community. It's, we belong together. We're part of the same family. It's interesting, nobody in the New Testament ever took communion by themselves. What does that tell you? That we're intended to do this as a family where two or three would gather. So our ushers are going to serve you. So I'm going to ask you guys as they serve this communion element. See, to you it looks like cracker and a little cup of juice, right? But what we believe is that it's a, it's a mirror. It's a reflection. It's a memory of what Christ did for us. So they're going to serve you. Communion reminds us that this life is not the end of the story. Anybody glad that this is not all there is? It reminds us that this life is not the end of the story. And it reminds us that someday soon... Jesus is coming back for you and for me. 1 Corinthians 11 says, For every time you eat this bread, drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's prepare our hearts for our Lord's coming. You can sing. Bible says that on the night he was betrayed that Jesus took bread. You have to understand he's sitting with those that have followed him for three years. they would eaten many, many meals together. But he was letting them know that this meal, this last supper, this Lord's supper was going to be different. because He was challenging them with what was coming. We're looking backwards. Bible says he took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it, pass it out and he said, take and eat this is my body that's broken for you take it eat. the Bible says after that he took a cup and blessed it and said this is the blood of the New Testament, the new covenant, it represents my blood that is shed for the remission, the forgiveness of your sin. Take it. Would you just take a moment and thank your Heavenly Father for the broken body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus? Today we look backward at the cross of Christ, the broken body, the shed blood of our son. We look up to our father who loved us enough to send his only son for our salvation, our forgiveness, our healing, our deliverance. Look inward to uh, the Christ in us, the hope of glory. Search our hearts today. We look around us. God, what can you do through us in our world, in our family, in our community? And God, we look forward. God, I, I pray that today you use us to bless Jesus' name.